This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody, welcome to Remnant Radio. My name is Joshua Lewis, and today we are discussing visions of heaven. Uh, It's going to be an interesting broadcast. Uh, Before we dive into uh, the heaven travel, traveling to heaven, and those kinds of theological discussions, I want to let you know a little bit about who Remnant Radio is and what we're all about. Here on Remnant Radio, we are a theology broadcast. We stream every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, We discuss theology with pastors, teachers, and historians from different churches and denominations. Our goal is to just kind of get you outside of your theological echo chamber, listen to your Christian brothers and sisters uh, from across the theological aisle, and maybe stretch ourselves a little bit and learn. Uh, Today, we're discussing a subject of heaven. We're, we're doing a once a week, we do a program on the gifts of the Spirit, right? So uh, as you can see behind me, this isn't our normal Remnant Radio episode where we interview pastors and teachers, but this is a specific episode uh, where we discuss the gifts of the Spirit. So today, uh, if we were going to do a specific gift, we'd be discussing uh, prophecy or dreams and visions kind of within that space specifically of dreams and visions. Uh, and as we discuss that, there are many in the the charismatic movement uh, who, who practice visions and practice practice dreams as something that is induced, something they practice on their own, not in a, not an occasional gift, but they believe it's a residential gift that they can kind of activate and then use however they see fit. Um, uh, you know, as we dive into this discussion, what I want to do is I want to kind of make a biblical case for uh, visions and dreams in the Bible and in Scripture and in the life of believers today. Uh, I do believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Uh, among those gifts of the Spirit, I do believe uh, dreams and visions are within that category. And I want to help us think biblically about these subjects uh, so that when there are uh, visions, there are encounters and dreams that give us special revelation, special knowledge that comes in uh, a strong disagreement with Scripture, we know as a body of Christ how to wrestle through these issues. There will be a section of Q&A here at the end of the program, so if you have any questions, if I'm able to answer them, I will try to do my best to do so. Um, so what we're going to do up at the top part of the clip is we're just going to define what is uh, the gift of what is, what is the gift of prophecy as it is related to dreams and visions. Uh, how does this gift exercise in the local church? How are we supposed to test it? What's our what's our funnel for testing the gift of prophecy? And as we move through that, then we're going to listen to prophetic words uh, that seem to err on more of the hyper-charismatic side that go beyond what is written in Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that theologically. How do we wrestle through these issues? Uh, I want to have a really um, sincere posture in this broadcast today. Uh, uh, it's going to be difficult, right? Um, there are some statements, especially towards the end, the last clip, that are um, they're beyond uh, abusive, and they they borderline with just mockery. Um, uh, anyway, we'll we'll have to get there when we get there. Um, it, it's too far. It's much much too far for for Christians to take seriously. Um, and, and I guess we'll, we'll see it when we get there. So, But I want to have a good posture in this, okay? Uh, as always on the show, we don't want to have a, a heart and a posture of scoffing. 
uh, the Psalms and Proverbs really discourage us and really make aware to us that if we take delight in scoffing, if we look at these individuals and and we see them uh, either innocently trying to worship the Lord, uh, their their Christian brothers and sisters, and they're innocently practicing error, it should be our heart to confront them in love and to build them up and to teach them more accurately the scriptures. Uh, if these individuals who are practicing these kinds of things are actually so far into error that they cannot be corrected, still our heart should not be one of pride and look how stupid these people are and look how dumb they are and they don't know the Bible. And this is the heart and the posture uh, of a scoffer, right? We, we don't want to take joy in being the smartest kid on the block. We don't want to take joy in, in correcting and policing everyone's theology. What we want to do is we want to love our brothers and sisters. We want to love those who aren't our brothers and sisters and present them the gospel naturally and clearly. So uh, when, when talking about these dreams and visions, when talking about people who are traveling to heaven, there are people uh, who are brothers and sisters in Christ who are just very confused. Uh, and there are people who are having these kinds of experiences that um, go beyond what is written in Scripture. Uh, and those individuals, I'm, I'm not so confident of their salvation, but uh, this is not an episode here to discuss people's eternal security, where they walk with the Lord. We've done episodes about that in the past. Uh, our goal in this program is just to deal with the doctrine. Let's deal with the theology. Let's talk about it as a community. Let's figure out how we and our local church can handle these kinds of situations. So uh, all that unpacking to say, uh, my mic looks a little hot. So if I'm uh, coming in hot, you guys let me know. I'll, I'll turn that down just a smidge. Okay, um, we need to open the correct document here. Great. Um, in talking about uh, Christians and talking about these kinds of dreams and visions, I want to talk about the category of dreams and visions. I do believe dreams and visions are prophecy. Um, I take that from Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2, both of which prophesy a coming outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. And then it describes that prophecy specifically when speaking of old men and young men as dreams and visions. Um, when we approach the scriptures, dreams and visions oftentimes seem very synonymous and interchangeable. Uh, so, for example, when you look at Daniel the prophet, uh, I believe it's in chapter 7 where Daniel, uh, it's multiple times in uh, the scriptures, but I believe it's in chapter 7 where he said, I had a, a, a dream, a vision of the night. He calls them one and the same. They, they have similar kind of, uh, or at least potentially similar kinds of... Uh, I want, to, I want to call it hermeneutic for lack of a better word, but there's this interpretive lens um, through dreams and visions. Like when you have a dream, God can be speaking to you like uh, with uh, Joseph or with Pharaoh and they saw the skinny cows and the fat cows and there's like this interpretive lens that you place upon that. It's not always super plain. It's it's a bit cryptic, right? It's It takes time to maybe understand all of these things and I'm placing visions within that same category. Um, uh, the Bible says uh, Peter fell into a trance and he saw food descending. He saw he saw, you know, unclean meat descending from heaven. And as he was looking at it, he was waiting for an interpretation. And this happened three different times. And, and it takes, uh, at times, the meaning of dreams and visions can be plain, but at other times, these things can be cryptic and they can be hard to understand. So we want to uh, have that at the forefront of our mind so that we have, first and foremost, a posture of, of humility when looking at dreams and visions, when testing dreams and visions, when thinking about those and, and trying to discern them with the person who has received them. Uh, but but this is important. If it is prophecy, it should be tested, right? So if you're out there and you're saying, hey, I had this dream. I don't know if it's from the Lord or not. Well, let me help you. First and foremost, you don't have to do this in isolation, right? You don't have to just like figure out in the the the, 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 the 
seclusion of your own home, uh, your aloneness, and figure out, man, is this dream from the Lord? Or I had this vision, I saw something, and I don't know if that was God or not. Well, well, here's the thing. You don't have to do this on your own. In fact, I would encourage you, as uh, prophecy actually demands, that you go and bring it before your local church. Uh, in in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, through, uh, 14, verse 29, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is being said. Now, uh, in this passage, it's specifically talking about the local context, and it's speaking, as far as I'm aware, of prophecy that comes as a word of the Lord, that someone is speaking prophecy. Uh, it doesn't necessarily speak of um, uh, dreams and visions, but I think there is a principle here that the others are to weigh what is being said. Um, I think that when you have a vision or a dream and you want to know if it's from the Lord, I think the very first thing you should do is go to your local church and submit it to them. And that could be uh, your pastor, that could be maybe someone who is discipling you, but submit it to some people so that you're not having to do this kind of interpretive thing all on your own because collectively with the body of Christ, they're going to know the word of God. You might be in a space where you're extremely prophetically gifted, but you don't have have a, a foundation in God's word. And we would really encourage you not to just be swept away by all of these experiences, but really find a, a strong foundation in a local church, people who know God's word and submit these things to these individuals so they can kind of walk you through this process. They, they may say, hey, this is, a, this is a pizza dream. This is a Cheeto thing. This has nothing to do with God. This is just synapses in your brain firing off uh, as a way to kind of, um, like if you listen to Jordan Peterson and talking about dreams and the science of dreams, uh, Often dreams are just kind of like a protocol of your brain running through uh, certain scenarios and certain opportunities and running through that uh, to prevent you from danger in the future, uh, predicting things that could happen. Uh, so here, here's another thing. Uh, in in first, temp, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, 19 through 22, we talked about this quite a bit on the 2020 Prophecy Review video. It's an eight-hour-long video where we view prophetic words about 2020, and we discern them to see if they are from the Lord or if they are not. We kind of we kind of weigh those out with scholars and theologians who all believe in the gifts of the Spirit. It's a very encouraging video. I, would, I encourage you to go check that out as they really uh, gave us really some, some good theological muscles to exercise when discerning these things. Uh, but in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, it, it speaks of prophecy, not necessarily in the local assembly. Now this is a, a bit more broad. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold what is fat, uh, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So when a prophetic word comes, when a dream or vision comes, it's our responsibility to take this to the local church to discern what is the good, what is the bad. Is this a, a, a word from the Lord or is this just a natural dream or maybe even a demonic thing that has lured us away? Uh, we don't want to suggest that it's impossible that Christians can have some kind of demonic uh, revelation or sight uh, to be seen something that uh, that, that is being led on by a false spirit. Um, uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 that even if I or an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you a different gospel, he's speaking to believers, and he seems to presuppose that angels can come from heaven, reveal themselves to believers, and preach a false gospel. So I would encourage you uh, not to just, just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's God. Uh, so let's take that into consideration. Uh, we are told specifically in Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 4 uh, that there are false prophets who are going to come and they're going to be dreamers of dreams. Let's go ahead and read that passage. Uh, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises uh, among you and gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or wonder tells you uh, what is going to come to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known. 
and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether uh, you love the Lord your God or or whether all your heart uh with all your soul, with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Verse four, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now, this is a really important part here uh, that I, I really want to hang out on, right? In, in Deuteronomy 13, we have a principle that there's a dreamer of dreams who sees something and the thing that they see comes to pass, right? And then after that thing comes to pass, they begin to lead God's people away from God. Now, this is very important. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, this is a, a big burden of mine because we do an episode every single week on the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm greatly concerned that those of you who are watching are not plugged into a local church. You're not plugged into the full counsel of God's word. You're not more consumed with atonement theory. You're not more consumed with soteriology. You're not more consumed with uh, uh, eschatology and homartiology in studying the foundations of the Christian faith, right? Hebrews chapter uh, uh, five and six, that we should be teachers, but not laying again a foundation of faith and repentance, right? Uh, uh, faith towards God, repentance from dead works, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, uh, ceremonial washings. These things are the elementary principles. If you don't have those things down, uh, please do not be distracted by these supernatural things, the gifts of the Spirit, and going after them as if they are the focus of the Bible, right? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I want you I want you to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. I think that's a biblical thing to do, but understand that this is a tertiary thing. Don't make a minor thing the major thing, right? Go after the gospel, and if the gifts of the Spirit are a, a way to get to God without going through his word. Uh, Jesus said, hey, uh, I'm the only way to the Father, right? Uh, they'll hear my voice and they will not listen to another. And there are prophetic voices that are coming in here who are speaking things that are not found in scripture, telling you how to get to God without going through God's word. Uh, and they're, they're leading you after other places. So I'd really, really encourage you. I want to double down on this. Know your Bible. Go to a local church. Get really plugged into the gospel. Know the gospel. Know how Jesus has saved us from our sin and don't be distracted by the charismatic gifts, but realize that those are a benefit of the gospel, right? Not the focus. So but this is very, very important and I, I want to make sure that we double down on this. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me say it, but man, um, the gifts of the Spirit, we're addressing these things regularly because we believe they're being mishandled. Uh, we, 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 we're seeing... Uh, people being tossed to and fro. Ken Fish came on uh, on Monday and discussed how uh, there are families, kids that are leaving the faith because of what happened in the 2020 prophecies, because these prophets were held up on a pedestal in a family. And, and because of abuses, these entire families are, are walking away from the faith. Uh, and it's we, we, if we were policing our own people in our own local churches, these things would not be happening. They ought not to happen. So, so this is very important, right? Um, Another thing that's really important in mentioning when talking about dreams and visions, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a specific uh, verse where, again, I want to say most, and I'm not trying to speak as a scholar here, but many, if not most, believe in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking of himself in the third person, uh, saying, look, I knew a man, neither whether he was awake or sleeping, he was caught up into the heavens, right? And then he says this really interesting phrase. He says, I saw things that were not lawful to speak, or he saw things that were not lawful to speak. Um, just because we had an experience and just because it was a supernatural experience does not mean we have the right to go around teaching it as if it's gospel truth. 
Um, I'm inclined to believe what Paul is saying here uh, is the things that he saw in the heavenly places were things he could not see in the law. They were unlawful, and thus he did not speak of them. The apostle John were seeing things in heaven. And if you listen to Michael Heiser's podcast, uh, as he's going through the book of Revelation, what you'll see is that everything that John is seeing, he sees so many hyperlinks to scripture and chooses to phrase it in such a way where the, the first century audience would have gone, ooh, ooh, I know where that's at in the Old Testament. Uh, oh, I'm familiar with that. I mean, Isaiah chapter 11, that's that's the two witnesses. Those are the, 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 the two olive trees that we see in the book of Zechariah. He's hyperlinking all of these texts back into the Old Testament. So we want to make sure that what we're seeing, if we're sharing it, if we're, if we're uh, again, public stage, uh, book, even books, don't, don't be doing that, man. Like, do not prostitute these things. Like, it's just wrong. Like, it's just wrong to like, hey, I had this, this intimate time with the Lord. Um, I, I've seen something that's just beautiful and godly, and I'm just going to go sell a bunch of books. Um, just be careful. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm in a ministry. We make money from what we do. You know, we ask people to donate. Uh, there are people out there who, who write books. Um, on the gift of prophecy, Sam Storms, Wayne Groom, I got a whole bunch of links of books in the description of books that I want you to pick up. But there are p- groups of people who are getting this new secret way to pray, this new secret way to to get to heaven, these new secret teachings that are nowhere in the scriptures. They, they take scriptures way out of context and apply it. And if, and if you do these things, you're going to see the Father. You're going to see God. And, and I'm telling you, um, this is this is... Uh, it's a dangerous grounds that we're in as a church. And if we don't start speaking out as a community, um, things are going to go out of control quickly. And this is, when I say as a community, this is one of the last things I want to say when trying to define this thing. Realize that the the book of Corinthians was not written, uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians was not written to the pastor at first, uh, at Corinth, right? Uh, to the pastor at Corinth, I'm writing these things to you to get your house in order. It was written to the church. He expected the church to get things in order, right? The church of Galatia, he wrote to the church. To the church at Rome, he wrote to the church. He didn't write to the elder. Hey, hey, pastor, get your, get your, get your stuff together. It was the responsibility of the community to rally together and say, this is wrong. We're not going to take it anymore. And when it comes to these things, if you're a part of a community, a prophetic community, if you're waiting for your leadership, and I'm not asking hostile takeover, I'm not asking dishonor, disrespect, don't, don't do those things. What I'm saying is if you see things that are out of bounds, you need to appeal to the scriptures. You need to, to confront these individuals. You need to be showing what the scripture says, and you're going to hold your community accountable. More often than not, your senior pastors don't know some of the stuff that's going on in your church. Um, and you think that you're keeping your mouth shut as to honor and respect and not gossip X, Y, and Z. But if there are doctrines that are being preached that are contrary to the scriptures, please open your mouth and speak truth. Uh, you're not condemning them. The scriptures are, right? The scriptures say this, and you're going to hold people accountable to what is written in the word of God. So I'm getting off of my 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 soapbox here, and we're going to keep going, okay? I haven't been reading the comments, so I apologize. I'm, I'm going solo today. I will read comments later. If you're going to ask me a comment, please, uh, a question, please write question, uh, colon, and then your question so that I know it's a question. Um, because most of the time you guys are like, I'll get into the chat and you guys will be talking about something completely different than y'all be at Calvinism hanging out in the comment section. We're not talking about that. So, so make sure to ask question if you have a question for me. Um, so uh, the next thing I want to say is uh, visions of heaven are unusual right? Visions and dreams are, they do speak of odd things, right? So in, in talking about dreams and visions, just because your dream and vision is unusual or odd, doesn't mean it's not God, 
right? So just because things are seem just unusual. And I mean by that is like Ezekiel's vision of heaven. When Ezekiel travels to heaven, he sees this creature um, that has got like the body of like an animal and it's got like hoof hands and it's got like like multiple heads on it. It's got a head of an angel and a head of a lion. It's got all these different heads on it. And then there's like a wheel within a wheel and it's spinning and it's kind of, he has a hard time understanding what it's like. He uses the, in English anyway, he, the phrase like or likeness is used 23 times because he doesn't have precise language to articulate what he is seeing, right? Isaiah, when he travels to heaven uh, in Isaiah chapter six, he, he sees these creatures who get wings over their head and over their feet and two are flying. They got, they got six wings and then, then he realizes he's unclean and then they grab coals and they what would have burned someone's lips he touches his lips with it and cleanses his lips like that's a it's an unusual thing it's it's odd it's it's weird right it's different um th- then we have these accounts uh in revelation in revelation 11 there's two witnesses who are also olive trees in revelation 12 you've got a woman who's crowned with stars who's clothed in the sun who's standing on the moon who's pregnant and a dragon's trying to eat her baby okay there's some weird symbolism in the scriptures in revelation 19 we believe our messiah is coming down from the clouds riding a white horse with an army of his saints who are on white horses i mean there are some really unusual things in the scriptures so to run to something that's unusual and say hey i'm not going to listen to that because that seems strange or foreign and unusual, I think that's an excess. I don't think we get to, to come along and say, hey, God has chosen to reveal himself in this way, in the scriptures, a lot. Um, and just because he's revealed himself in this unusual way doesn't mean that we get to go, no, 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 I'm not going to listen. It's actually our job to discern and test and go, hey, maybe that's not God, right? Like we're going to test, test it and maybe it is God. Uh, but just because we've had this dream uh, doesn't mean that uh, it, 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 that's odd. It doesn't automatically mean that it's not from the Lord. Um, the next thing I want to mention is the need for interpretation or sometimes the lack of understanding. Um, in the book of Daniel, this is a really good example. If, if you would go and read like today, go read Daniel chapter seven through Daniel chapter nine, and you'll find over and over Daniel's having these encounters and then goes, I don't know what that means. And then he'll, he'll have this experience where he'll see things and he'll be praying and be like, Lord, what the heck was that? Over and over, right? So like in Daniel chapter seven, uh, he, he saw some some stuff. He saw some weird things. Thrones, the ancient of days, he's set on the thing. Yeah, he's got, uh, uh, his, his hair is like a pure wool. His throne is a fiery fire. Uh, so, so there's wheels that are burning, right? There's these crazy experiences. Uh, and then in verse 15, as for me, uh, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the vision of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of these things. So he told me. So he's in this kind of heavenly courtroom. He's, he's seeing this vision. He's like, what the heck is this? What's going on? And he sees an angel. And he's like, hey, what meaneth this? Right? So he's having this experience, but he doesn't know exactly what it means there in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 8, he has a vision of a ram and a goat. Um, and in verse 15, he goes on and explains, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. So he didn't have understanding of it when he saw the vision. He had to seek the Lord in its understanding. Uh, And behold, there stood before me having the appearance of a man. And I heard a voice between the bank of the, uh, I can't pronounce that word, uh, and it uh, it called Gabriel, uh, make this man understand the vision. So here, another encounter where he's had a vision, doesn't uh, doesn't know how to interpret the vision, and the angel Gabriel comes and gives him the interpretation of that vision. Um, 
needing more insight. Again, this happens again in Daniel chapter 8, verses 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. And then I I rose and went about uh, the king's business, but I was uh, appalled by the vision and did not understand it. And again, in Revelation 9, 21, 22, over and over in these accounts, you have individuals who are having dreams and visions, and they don't know what it means. So a couple things. Um, I would encourage you to say, hey, um, my local church doesn't practice this. I don't know what to do with this. I have dreams all the time. Great. Write them down. Pray about it. Lord, is this what this means? What, what does this mean? Uh, go to your local church and say, hey, do you have any understanding of what this means? Uh, this happened in the scriptures. I mean, the most popular story about this kind of thing is, is in, in Joseph's day. Uh, Joseph uh, goes into prison. Well, first he has his own dreams and there's a clear interpretation for them, right? And then he goes into prison and the cupbearer and the breadbearer, they have dreams and he gets the interpretation for them. And then Pharaoh has a dream and then he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And this happens in a similar way with Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream and, and then uh, there's multiple kings in Babylon. I want to make sure I get my, my king right. But whatever king was in charge of Babylon at that time, uh, Daniel gets the dream from him and then interprets that dream. Uh, actually, in Daniel's case, he doesn't get the dream from the king. The Lord has to give him the dream and the interpretation. So so there are, uh, I just want to say that there is a layer of mystery, right? Uh, we, we bring this up all the time, but in Leviticus, uh, it speaks to us in riddles and dark sayings. And, and Paul says, those who prophesy, prophesy through a mirror darkly. So just because there's not clarity doesn't mean it's not God either. Um, what we want to be careful about doing is hyper-literalizing something that looks mysterious, right? We don't want to hyper-literalize something that looks vague, something that's that's cryptic, right? We need to come into this space. If we have this, if the Lord has showed us something, we need to come at this with a posture of humility. I'm not sure what this is. And I think I, I think I know what this means and submit that to the local church. And if the local church says, hey man, we feel the spirit on that, that makes sense. Uh, and it's not contradictory to scripture, then we kind of walk in this together. So let's use some examples, okay? Uh, one example, and this is a hypothetical, okay? This is a hypothetical example, and then I have a literal example for my personal life um, that we can talk about. So a person has a vision or, or a dream, right? And they have this dream, and in the dream, uh, they are just in this white sea of glass, right? And they, they wake up, and they're in, this, they're in this dream white sea of glass, and they just see this bowl. And they approach this bowl, and as they approach this bowl, they begin to smell uh, beautiful fragrances coming off of this bowl. And as they see the smoke arising, they begin to hear prayers. And from the prayers of this bowl, uh, they hear uh, missionaries and and people in the West praying and crying out uh, for a revival that we poured out in the Middle East. And then uh, you, you look up and you behold, there's someone who's shining and his hand stretches forth towards the Middle East. And you, you, don't, you can't quite see him because he's just bright like the sun and his hand stretches out towards the Middle East. And you just see, as you look towards the Middle East, a nation erupting in revival, nation after nation erupting in revival and souls coming to salvation and repentance. And you're like, wow, that was crazy. You wake up from your dream. You know, that, that seems pretty clear that maybe the Lord wants to do something in the Middle East. You go to your local church and you submit to that to them. And they're like, hey, we think this is the Lord. We want to pray about this. And, and your church subsequently sends missionaries and finances and they do something with what They've been given, right? It's not anti-Bible. It's aligned with Scripture. Uh, the, the cues seem to line up. It's sending missionaries out. They're like, hey, we were praying about where to send missionaries, and 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 thus the Lord has answered our prayer through a dream. And maybe there are multiple dreams, and maybe you're just one piece of that puzzle, and they're getting multiple words, and this is just confirmation, and we're testing this. We're, we're not holding the dream as if it's 
a revelation like scripture, right? It's not scripture. We believe that scripture and prophecy are two very different things. Um, if I was going to have a scale here, I think about creation, right? Uh, the Bible says that creation bears witness to God's glory. Now, it's not sufficient for salvation, right? But it, it, it does have an authority to it, enough authority to condemn us before God, right? And according to, to Romans chapter uh, 1 and 2, all creation bears witness to his glory. Man is without excuse because of creation. It has a, an authority from God. Then we have what I would call prophecy, right? Now, prophecy is not scripture. It is not sufficient for salvation, right? It is subordinate, just like nature, to God's word. Uh, and then above that, we have scripture. So in 1 Corinthians, you'll see the apostle Paul saying, hey, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, right, where he says, test prophecy, he says, but, but realize the one who's listening to me, the one who seems like he's spiritual, make sure that he knows the words that I'm speaking are the words of God. So the Apostle Paul is writing a letter saying, look, what I write, that's God's word. What prophets speak, we're going to test that, right? You're not testing the Holy Scriptures. You're not testing the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing infallible Scripture, right? So as we're moving through, I'm talking about personal experience. Like, well, that's a nice illustration, but it doesn't ever happen that way. For me personally, this is a story I've shared before. I'm hesitant to share it because it never happens in my life, right? This is not a normal experience for me. Uh, I've had a, a few experiences and I'm cautious of sharing these moments because I feel as if uh, if we talk about them, they will become normative. Uh, people will begin to pursue these things. When I want, What I want people to do is to pursue Jesus. And in the midst of that, he gives us these kinds of gifts, if you will. Um, in, in this encounter, um, I'm praying, oh, well, I'm not praying. In this encounter, I'm laying in bed. Um, and uh, I seem to awaken. And at the foot of my bed, there uh, is a being. Uh, and it is glowing. Uh, and it is glowing brightly. Um, it, it, it is, it doesn't have any facial features, no mouth, no eyes, no ears. It just has to see muscle tissue. Like if you go to the doctor and you just see muscle tissue, uh, over its bones and every single strand of muscle is just emitting light. And I'm just like, wow, like this is an angelic being. I'm blown away that this, this angel is emitting this light. It's glorious. And I'm just looking at it. And I, I begin to stare into his face. I begin to see his face shining like the sun. And the thought goes through my head. Well, Jesus's face shines like the sun right? And I've been asking to be closer and intimate to the Lord, to be with him. And, and as I see his face shining like the sun, I, I begin to think, well, maybe, maybe this is an answer to my prayer. Maybe this is Jesus. And the second I thought that thought, I heard the only one of only two times in my life, I heard God's voice speak. It's an angel of uh, darkness portraying itself as an angel of light. Uh, when I saw, when I, when I heard that, I looked over, my wife is being tormented in sleep, right? It looks like she's being demonically oppressed. Uh, I, I've seen this before. I knew exactly what it was. And as I looked down, I came out of this vision and I'm in the exact same place I am. I, I, I don't know whether I was awake or whether I was asleep. I mean, it was in the same place in the same setting. Was it a dream? Was it a vision? I don't know. Um, but in this encounter, the Lord was trying to teach me. And it was, it was clear what he was trying to teach me. He was trying to teach me that just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's God. And, and we need to have discerning eyes for things that look godly, that are angels of light, or angels of darkness portraying themselves as angels of light. So just because it's super spiritual, just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's God right? And we need to be cautious of how eager we are to embrace things that look supernatural because we live in a naturalistic society that's thirsty for the supernatural, okay? Now, now you may ask me, now, Josh, did you submit that to your local church? Did you, did you line that up with scripture? 
before God, I didn't. I did not do those things. Uh, now, looking back on it, I wish I had. I wish I would have submitted that kind of experience to the local church because I thought it meant something entirely different at the time and processed through that. It is so clear as day what the Lord is showing me in that season and what we need to do as a body of believers. I'm not saying we need to doubt whether that experience was real, right? I have I have friends who have had experiences on on hallucinogenic drugs, right? On mushrooms or DMT, and they, they travel to heavenly places, right? Uh, it's not my job to tell them that didn't happen. I'm not saying that that, that, that was a lie or they're a liar or they're, they're fabricating a story. No, I, I've got no reason to believe that that didn't happen. Uh, uh, the word sorcery in the book of Galatians is the word pharmakia, right? Like mind-altering hallucinogens, right? To, to, to induce a supernatural experience. I, why why wouldn't that be supernatural? I live in a magical, supernatural, mystical world that the Lord has created that I don't quite understand. I'm not a naturalist. Uh, I've got no reason to believe that that wasn't a supernatural experience, but I do have reason to believe that it wasn't a godly supernatural experience. There's differences between something that's supernatural and something that's supernatural and holy. Uh, demonic powers are supernatural too, and we've got to be careful as we're sifting through this process not to be lured astray. Okay, now that's a lot of commentary. I hope you guys are enjoying it up into this point. If you have questions, make sure to write out question, leave a colon, and then the question uh, beyond that so that I can read through those and make sure that I can answer those at the end of the program if you have them. Uh, But what we're going to start doing is we're going to begin to listen through a few of these teachings on uh, traveling to heaven. Um, I, I guess it's it's a little bit different than what we're talking about, right? What we've been talking about up until this point is dreams and visions. What we're going to begin to listen to are people who these things didn't happen to them. They're trying to induce these things, right? Activating third counter, third heaven experiences. Um, it's gonna get it's gonna get uncomfortable. Now, this is what I will encourage: if you're in your car on your way home from work, you're watching live, or you're on the podcast right now listening, and you've got small children in the car, um, turn off the video. Okay, these people are going to be using Christian language. Um, they're going to be using uh, Christian vocabulary. There's nothing sexually immoral that's going to take place in these videos. Okay, uh, but but please be sensitive. You do not want your children around Christian language that sounds Christian using our dictionary, but or using yeah using our dictionary, but having a different vocab or same vocabulary with a different dictionary. Those words have a different meaning, uh, and then being confused. Okay, so um, as a parent who is more and more cautious and more and more aware of false doctrine and false teachings creeping in through media and creeping in through the church. Uh, I want to look out for you. Turn this off. Watch it later when you're alone. Um, Let's watch this first clip from Bob Jones. Um, He is at Bethel School. Uh, This video is online uh, on YouTube. I I titled it so that you can go and find it later. Uh, But here's the clip, okay? There's things that I've understood for many years and never been able to embark. So, and I've taken several of you up here. I want to take you all up tonight, too. But I want to take you farther than I have before. I want to take the kingdom and you up for one another tonight. So, the enemy's had a plug right here. It's time that that plug comes out. And if I have the finger of God, can't shake it out, then the kingdom of God's coming. One of the words you was reading there is that Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, which is Dr. Lear, raise the dead, and kick the devil of the church. It's not an option, it's a commandment. And this is what's getting ready to take place. We're getting ready to be obedient to what God has called us to be. So, right here. All of you want a visitation. But your daddy and your brother sit down from their labors. They're in heaven. They want you to give them a visitation. 
And this is one of the things I want to lead you into today. Then I've never had the ability to take people up except recently when he gave me that word about the kingdom coming. Now it's time that the kingdom comes out of you tonight for one another. And I'm going to show you how to do that. But first, I want to lay scriptures. On Ephesians 2 6, it says you're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's a done deal. Colossians 1 13 is translated from this present darkness into his marvelous light. That really means raptured. That your soul would be raptured here. And uh, in Romans uh, uh, 12 2, once you're turning that, I want to talk to you about a butterfly because many of you have been like, your mind has been worms. I mean, the worm is your memory. Well, that worm has become a butterfly and it's going to get ready to come here. And a butterfly has to have the sunlight before it can fly. The butterfly lives in the sun. It's time that you be a generation that lives in the sun with the sun. Or what the sun does to the butterfly, it pumps the fluids into the wings and everything. And where the butterfly can go and reproduce beyond imagination in one year. Romans 12, 2, and this is amplified. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even a thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. It's time you crawl into the light of the sun. It's time you become light. And it's time that you reproduce without numbers. So, what I usually have people to do is I have them to stand up. Not yet, I want you to understand. I have you to stand up. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want you to put your hand up, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to take deep breath. The worst thing you can do is pray. You understand what you're doing if you're praying? I want this raptured. It has to come through here. And that gives the Father a visitation. Now, when you get there, some of you feel wins. Uh, the angels are mostly unemployed. They're looking for a job. When you come up there, there'll be a wind coming around some of you and they're going to be signed to you. And you may not understand this, but it says you'll judge angel. You know how you'll judge him? You'll say, yes, I couldn't do this. And it happened supernaturally. And I didn't know it, but the angel was there doing it. You'll judge angels for their rewards. And so they really decided to look into what's going on with you. And to have you do things that you can't do. So... A lot of you in the comment section are saying, hey, this is way too fast. I apologize that it's too fast. If you can go to the YouTube settings, you can slow it down. I didn't realize it was this fast, so my bad. I just ask that you take deep breath and that you look. That looking, you look. That hearing, you hear. The smelling, you smell. The taste, you taste. And most of the, the thing I like the most when I go up is feelings. I feel exactly what Isaiah 29 11 says. I feel loved. I feel that this thought towards me are for good. I'm trying to say that all five of your senses become golden. And you can I, I use it like this many times, like a hot loaf of bread. I show you a hot loaf of bread with your eyes, and what do you see? Okay, I close your eyes and I say to you, I've got a hot loaf of bread in front of you. What do you see? I tear off a hot loaf of bread when your ears are closed and your eyes are closed, I put it under your nose. What do you see with your nose? You see a loaf of bread. I take off a piece, I put it in your mouth. And what do you see with your taste? Bread. If I lay the hot loaf of bread in your hand, what do you see? Bread. You can see with all five senses. The enemy can never shut down all five of your senses at once. So look, some of you will see things. Some of you may smell things. Some of you may taste gold taste and things like that in your mouth. And some of you may hear a spoken word to you. It's really time that you get these things for yourselves. He's told me recently, I want you to quit doing the miracles. I want you to quit feeding them fish. I want you to teach them to fish. So, this is the first place I want to take you. I want you to go up. I'm going to have you get up very shortly. And raise your hands. And I want you to take a deep breath. And the reason I'm having you take those deep breaths is so you won't pray. <laughs> and you're going to go up. You're going to go give your daddy a visitation. Now, I'm going to tell you something that some people really get offended when I say this. Got up here. <laughs> I was just talking to Chris. Forty years ago, when I began to go up, I'd go up there and I'd see that white light and that beautiful throne, and I'd crawl up in it and sit on my daddy's lap. Some of you have never known your daddy before. Get ready to know him. And know him intimately. <laughs> he, his lap is ready. 
Now, some of you that may have hooks in you, old sands, old curses, things like that, when you go up, they're going to pull out, and you're going to go up. Those hooks are coming out, and they're going to make it free for you to go. Some of you are going to feel things that troubles your mind, and that's what David's been trying to do, is steal a lot of your mind. You go up there, and get get to you. He's not welcome up here. So, you know, if you do that, then I'm going to, I'm going to give you maybe five or ten minutes, if you just intimately visiting with your brother and your daddy. I've told you, with all five of your senses, the thing I like the most there is the feelings of his presence and his peace. And if you've been learned to, been taught, you watch your feelings, wind's been blowing over you ever since I've been speaking. That's angel activity. So now if you'll stand up. Put your hands up. Put your head up. Raise out with your head. There's so many of your tribe and rejection. There's no rejection here. They're just sons and daughters. Now take a deep breath. Come Holy Spirit. Good. You're going. Good. Good. Deep breathing. Good. Breathe in. Breathe out the old. Breathe in the new. Giving your daddy a visitation. You can do this as often as you choose, and you can lead as many people to desire this. For this teaching I've given you, you can give it to whomever will. Now, take another breath. That's good. Good. Now, some of you want to feel it coming up the back of your neck, on the side of your head. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Keep moving on, Holy Spirit. Good. 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 Spiritual activity is increasing. Thank you, Lord. This is how you go. I encourage you to go often. If the enemy will let you sleep at night, then leave and go visit your daddy. He won't be there. Thank you, Lord. Well, I've showed you the principle of going there. You can go as often as you choose now. But you sit down, I want to take you another step. I did this probably for 30 years, taking entire churches out. I've had fear before, too. But I've never been able to take what's in you out. I've understood it. But I've never had permission to teach it before. There's a power in you that's right here. The kingdom of God is in you, right here. Could you share the scripture, Bonnie? Yeah, Isaiah 12, 3. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, with joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. For many years, I've been able to draw waters right out of here and impart it to one another. Now it's your time. It's time that you begin to draw right here. Right out of your spirit, man, your conscious, in tune with the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the age, drawing right up out of you and imparting to one another. Every born again person can do this. Out of here is going to flow the river of life. Rivers will flow out of you. So, watch me. Now I want you to stand up and begin to draw that water out of you. Put your hands up. Pull, pull that water around your spirit. Pull. That's it. Pull. Pull. That's right. Pull it right up. The power of God is right there already within you. This is how you release it. You say, well, the life of everything, that's part of it. It's part of the joy. Now, I want to take you another step. Uh, men, I turn towards some of the men and women, just towards some of the women, and I want you to begin to pull out of your inmost being into them. And let them receive from you. Now, you pull it out. But this is the power. By the way, when you do this, you get a word of knowledge or whatever is needed. Bring it out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of things in there um, that we're going to address. Um, 
a lot of things in there. Um, let's not, um, let's not, and I'm really trying guys. I'm really trying, um, to create a culture of Christians who stand for truth and love. Um, let's not have a posture of giggling at this. Uh, they get worse. They get more ridiculous. They get more um, absurd. They get more untethered with scripture. I've got two more clips and uh, they get worse. Um, but let's have a heart posture where we can let the weight of this crush us. That that took place at Bethel Church, right? Um, which is one of the largest culture impacting centers in the West. Um, and not one Christian, not one Christian stood up and said, no. Not one Christian stood up on their seat and said, no, stop. This is wrong. Um, I watched a documentary um, uh, called Murder Among the Mormons. I think it was. It's on Netflix. Um, and in this documentary, there was a man who, who found this letter called the Salamander Letter. Um, and it suggested that um, Joseph Smith found the, uh, the Book of Mormon, found the, the gold tablets, um, being led by a, a salamander, right? And a white salamander, I think it was. Anyway, the uh, the church kind of freaked out about it because it came in contradiction to what they had written, um, what had been written that the, Moro- the angel Moroni led them to these tablets. And um, they were so upset and they were so grieved and they so fought this and they bought the document so no one else could look at it and no one else could study it. Um, turns out later that this document is a forgery and wasn't real. Um, spoiler alert, Sorry, um, but a group of people that Christians consider um, unorthodox outside of the Christian faith were more passionate about truth and orthodoxy than I saw a room full of people just now. Um, we should fight. Um, this is important, and this should break us. We shouldn't find joy in the fact that these people are being led into these kinds of practices. A um, couple things in here that I think we really need to be looking at. Um, there's a manipulation of scripture. Um, I don't know a single Bible verse. I looked up every single one of them. Uh, the one about your, your mind being a worm. I think he's trying to reference the passage in Matthew where he talks about, uh, where the fire is not quenched and the worm never dies. Uh, some scholars suggest that the mind is the worm, that it's internal conscious torment, but that's the scripture being used for that text. Um, he, he quoted Romans 12, two, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Uh, that passage has nothing to do with spirit travel. Um, absolutely. Um, so, so he's coming in and he's using these little, these little scriptures to quote what he's teaching. And this is very important as Christians. We have to, we're, we're, we're students of truth, right? We're not students of movements. We're not students of that's my community. That's my vein. I listen to those teachers. What they say is right. You shouldn't look to remnant radio and be like, uh, I'm a, I'm a remnant radio follower. I agree with what they say. That's not right. Don't do that. What you should do is listen to teachings from a plurality of Christians within orthodoxy and then compare that with scripture uh, so that you can maybe listen to something you've never considered before and see if it flies in the face of what you believe and what your tradition says. Uh, always reforming, right? That's the Protestant motto. Uh, always reforming, always going back to the scriptures, always testing to see if what we believe is true or or is this written in scripture or is this just some kind of idea that has been imported through uh, the, the cultural worldview or from a, my, my past religious worldview? What do the scriptures say? 
Uh, and we should be a people constantly going back to the word. And anyone who listened to those source texts and tried to go back to that verse and say, is that what this verse is saying? Wells of living water? Guys, guys, he says that this water comes from you, from your spirit. That is not what the Bible says. It says the Holy Spirit will come into you and, and out from you will flow living. It's the spirit of God. And he's encouraging people to take deep breaths and pull inside of their own spirit. Not this thought, not the Holy Spirit, but from their own spirit and then begin to breathe on others. This, this is not a Christian practice. This is not a biblical practice. Another one of the things that he began to say in this video is don't pray. And this, this, this could not be further from the truth right? One of the things I always encourage people on when they're pursuing prophecy, when they desire earnestly to, to prophesy, I always ask them to pray. And I, I encourage their soul for the passages that we see in Matthew and in Luke where he says, hey, if you're evil and you ask for a good gift, your father will give you a good gift from heaven. He'll give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask, right? And he won't give you a scorpion, right? He won't give you a rock, you know, if you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you something bad. So if you go to, if you're going before the throne, you're asking God, Lord, I want to uh, experience uh, your power. I want your spirit to fill me in such a way that I can proclaim the gospel with power, that I can edify the body of Christ. I can encourage, uplift, not for my sake, right? Not for me, but for the body. I, I, I'm asking for them that you would, you would give Mikey direction on whether he's going to take his kids to that school or, or Susan direction if she's going to take that job or not. Uh, uh, for the other peoples in the body, I want to I want to build them up. How, would you would you speak to me for their sake and on their behalf? And and if you're asking for something that's evil, like let's just say we're like we're cessationists, and that's an evil thing to ask. Well, praise God, He won't give it to you, because if you ask for a good thing, He's not He's not going to give you a scorpion. He's not going to give you a demon, right? Because you're going to the Father and asking in prayer, right? In in James it says. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask for selfish ambition to spend it on your own pleasures, God doesn't give you those things. So here are a group of Christians who are being told, don't pray. That seems like the safest thing to do. When, when looking at this practice, like you, you should be praying because if you pray, God's not going to give you an evil thing. Um, uh, this is something we must do as Christians. Uh, uh, he kept saying, don't, don't pray because it, it engages your mind. And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, he talks about the man who prays in the spirit and the man who, who prays in his understanding, right? It's in this known language uh, that his mind is fruitful or his mind is unfruitful. And there's this Gnostic idea in this movement that using your mind is evil. Using your mind is, is wicked somehow and it's not supernatural. The discernment of spirits is, is entirely supernatural and, and does not engage the logical mind, right? Uh, this is false, right? God has given us a mind. We're to be transformed in our mind. We're to use our mind. We're to love Lord, our, our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. He wants our mind to be engaged. He wants our mind to be sanctified. He wants our mind. I can't say it enough. Use your brain. Don't check your brain at the door for an experience. And we're going to find how this compounds into really dangerous practices in the next video. But here in this one, uh, this video was taped. Some are going to say, hey, you know, he, he repented of the spirit travel and going to heaven and taking people with them to heaven. This was filmed three years before he died. It's, it's on the Bethel website. Now, maybe there's, 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 a, there's a video of him repenting. I'm not here to sit there and tell you like, hey, this is where this guy's eternal destination is. I, I'm saying this is not a Christian practice. This is unorthodox. This is not found in God's word. Don't do this. This is bad. 
I, I don't. I don't want to step on this. I mm, no. I'm not gonna step on that. We're, we're gonna keep going. Um, he, he mentioned angels are unemployed in heaven. They're unemployed. They're looking for work. Um, I think that's pretty irreverent. Um, you need a sense. Use all of your senses: your eyes, your ears, your taste, your sense. You're gonna sense these things. Don't use your brain. Draw power from your own spirit. This is an interesting thing. He didn't have permission to teach on it. Um, as as a as a Christian brother who loves you, um, you you don't have permission to teach on anything that's not in Scripture. You don't. You don't have that authority. You, you don't get to preach the traditions of man as if they are the Word of God and nullify God's Word. You don't get it. So so for a person who's like, hey, I don't have permission to do this, or you don't have permission, or you don't have the authority or the spiritual authority in a specific space, I want you to know before God, I, Josh Lewis has zero authority. None. No, no, no church pastor has author, no authority. The authority is found in God's word. And we are submitted to God's word and we call out what God's word says to God's people. Right? That's our job. If you're a local church member, right, and your pastor is doing something that's ungodly or unlawful, what do you do as a Christian? You don't just keep your head down and be like, well, that's not my place. I don't have the authority to do that. No. The, the authority is found in God's word. You, you speak God's word over that situation. You, you enter into that space and say, no, uh, f- far, far be it. No, no, we shouldn't go on about visions and dreams and angels and, and, and go on about these speculative things. No, the, the scriptures in first, and, and, and not first Colossians, in Colossians tell us not to do this very thing. Do not go on about visions and dreams and angels and angelic beings and worship of angels. No, we don't do this in this house. This is God's house. We don't do this. Um, the authority uh, that we have is not ours. The authority we have is given in Scripture, and we submit ourselves to that authority, right? So as Christians, um, let's not play this authority game. Let's not play this game of like, oh, you know, uh, you know you've only got a small audience. You know, your, your church is only 150 members. How dare you say this of, of this pastor? or that pastor. How dare you speak against them like that? You just, you and your few sheep, David, how dare you? How dare you talk like this? No, no. God talks like that. When you're speaking from the scriptures, it is God who is speaking. It is not that local pastor. If the local pastor is quoting scripture, they're they're not rebuking that teacher or that teacher. They're letting God's word speak, and God's word is condemning those people. Um, Yo, I'm preaching, y'all. Say, oh, we got two more videos. Um, I'm sorry. Next video. Let's let's hit this next video. Uh, let me, yeah. Anyway, this is the Dalai Lama spirit warfare. I remember being with Bob Jones one time. Let me just tell you one little Bob Jones story. And uh, I loved Bob Jones, the seer prophet Bob Jones. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But um, if you know anything about the ministry and the legacy of Bob Jones, you know that he was a man. He was heavenly minded. He was a prophet, a seer prophet. And he had a lot of revelation, not just dreams and visions, but supernatural encounters and going into the heavens. And Bob Jones would talk about taking people into the spirit and taking people into the heavens. So that's something I love to do. That's something I do with my interns and staff. That's something I do in my personal mentoring. When I mentor people in the secret places, let's go into the spirit together every week and talk about what encounters and revelation we're getting. Uh, but I remember Bob Jones one time. I was in Macon, Georgia. I was in Macon, Georgia with Paul Keith Davis, um, a prophetic ministry, Paul Keith Davis, White Dove Ministries. 
And I was with Bob Jones and it was one of the first times I was connecting with these guys. And I happened to be preaching this little tiny, uh, you know, stained glass window, wooden pews, small church of about 40 people. And I don't know that there was anybody in the meetings other than my team that were under like uh, 65, 70 years old, grand piano. So it was like backwoods, Georgia, uh, very religious. And I remember showing up at the pastor's house and he thought, well, let me just put you and your assistant, you know, Shani. It's kind of funny because my assistant back then who uh, works for our ministry still today was traveling with me, Shani. Um, and uh, he, the pastor said, you guys can share that room and share that bed. And I thought, whoa, we're not going to share a room and share a bed. And then the pastor went on to say, well, you know, it's my son's room. And he just died in that room in that bed. And I said, you ain't putting us in that bed. Two people, uh, a man just died in that bed. And, and I was in this pastor's house, you know, God bless him. You know, those uh, kind of homes where it feels like you're at grandma's house and you can smell mothballs. And then you're in the basement and you're, you know, in this dusty room without air conditioning in Macon, Georgia. And you got to remember that not even a week ago, there was a dead body in the bed that you're supposed to be sharing with your assistant. One of those crazy stories. And even I remember Bob Jones, Paul Keith Davis kind of were just, you know, uh, chucking, chuckling at the idea that, wow, you know, and here's Todd Bentley bearded tattoo, different type of uh, tribe ministering in this church that really wanted to encounter and experience God. So anyways, uh, I was in my hotel and I was doing something I learned from Bob Jones. I was waiting on the Lord to encounter and experience the manifest presence of God in the secret place and hoping that I would go into the spirit and get access to revelation, what the father was doing. I only do what I, I only want to do what I see the father doing. You know, I want to hear from heaven. And so I was going into the spirit to get revelation. And I remember as I got quiet and still before the Lord, let's call it soaking, right? I got quiet and still before the Lord and I felt my spirit man I felt my inner man rising. I felt like my spirit was ascending into the heavens. My spirit was like ascending into the heavens, you know? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go in and have one of those Bob Jones third heaven experiences. I'm going to go to the throne room or have some heavenly encounter. And I could feel my spirit man ascending, like my spirit was going up into the heavens, right? And uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was like a window. You know, if a window was smashed or something, suddenly somebody broke a window with a brick or something. I heard that noise, like the shattering of a window, like a glass window. And all of a sudden, inside of my spirit man, it was like a vision. I saw like a Dalai Lama. Yeah, like a Dalai Lama, a man. He was totally bald, looked like he was meditating, uh, you know, trans meditation or something. He had his legs crossed. It reminded me of the Dalai Lama or Hinduism or some kind of a trans meditation type thing. And this guy was in the spirit realm, too. We weren't in the third heaven. We were in the second heaven. And I thought, Lord, he's blocking my entrance to the third heaven. I'm trying to get through the place where warfare happens. And I'm trying to get to a, a higher place to encounter and experience God in the spirit. And I felt my spirit man was like getting access, you know, heavenly places. And I thought, here's some warfare. And, and it's like a demon that's coming against me. But it looks like uh, somebody meditating, like a, a Dalai Lama, like a monk. And, and I thought, Lord, what is this? And he just kind of opposed me in the spirit. And it startled me. And suddenly I felt my spirit back in my body. And I wasn't getting access and going up anymore. And, I, you know, I was was kind of afraid a little bit and uh, some warfare. And I remember going to Bob Jones and telling him what happened. And I didn't tell Bob, you know, anything about the Dalai Lama. I just said, Bob, I had a spiritual encounter. I was uh, waiting on the Lord in my hotel room and I was, uh, you know, praying a little bit. And then I was just waiting for the purpose of revelation to see what I would see. You know, if I'd get something from the Holy Spirit, I wanted to go into the heavenlies. I wanted to have a third heaven experience. I just told Bob Jones, I wanted to have a third heaven experience, you know, or whatever experience God would let me have. And uh, I was trying to do, and, you know, I learned from Bob Jones a lot about how to activate and use your spiritual senses. And so uh, Bob kind of laughed. <laughs> he chuckled at me and he said, oh, the spirit of the Dalai Lama came against you, didn't it? I said, how did you know that, Bob? He said, that's the spirit. It's like a demonic power that opposes people from getting access to the third heaven. And you got stuck in the second heaven. That's the way Bob Jones referred to it. He said, you got into the warfare realm and the enemy got a hold of you. You got startled. You got afraid. And I said, yeah, Bob, how do you overcome those things when you're waiting on the Lord to go into the spirit, to encounter God, to get revelation, to see in the spirit, or maybe to have an experience with the Lord? Uh, should that happen? And he said, well, you need to pray in the spirit first before you go in. 
You need to take authority over any demonic powers and destruction and demonic assignments and uh, be sure that you've, uh, you know, repented and whatever you need to do. And then get your heart and mind empty. Bob Jones would always say, get your heart and your mind empty. Don't have any busy things going on in your thoughts. Take every thought captive, right? The battlefield of the mind. Get quietness in your thinking. Uh, but be sure you say, in the name of Jesus, I command any demonic powers, any deceptive spirits, any, any demonic powers that want to oppose me from having access entering into the third heaven to be bound and locked down. And I just bind them in Jesus' name. He said, just do that before you wait on the Lord in stillness and quietness, or what I call soaking for the purpose of revelation. And you should be able to get access uh, and not have any demonic powers come to oppose you from entering into the spirit. Because, you know, there's warfare. There's warfare in prayer. There's warfare when it comes to getting revelation. There's warfare when it comes to experiencing encountering God. And that's a, a little Bob Jones story I remember from Macon, Georgia. And some of you that just joined the broadcast in the last two, three minutes, you want to go back and watch the re Okay, that's, that's enough there. Um in this one, um, there are a couple of things that are worth addressing. Um, obviously, the strongest one is the Dalai Lama one. We'll circle back around that to a sec in a second. Um, he makes these claims that we've got to check with Scripture, right? Uh, I wanted to go into the throne room where spiritual warfare takes place. Um, I don't believe that's true. Um, there was a video we did with Dr. Michael Heiser um, that I would encourage you to go and check out. Um, it's one of our first videos with Doc Heiser. Uh, I think it's one of the most viewed videos on our page. You can go back to the app uh, on YouTube or, um, yeah, I mean, that's our YouTube or our podcast. Um, and we're talking about the unseen realm in the, the Deuteronomy 32 worldview. And in that, there was a specific passage in Revelation chapter 12 where they, the angel cries out in heaven and they overcame with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So there's a spiritual act that's taking place in heaven. There, the demonic powers are being kicked out of heaven. How did that happen? Was it spiritual warfare prayer? No. No, how, how, how did that happen? Was that, was that like a, a secret practices that were taught by like the, the new prophetic book? N no, no. They, they overcame through their testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood of the lamb. They preached the gospel. And as they're preaching the gospel, uh, the, this, these demonic powers no longer have an abode and they're cast down to the earth. Uh, how do we warfare? We preach the gospel. Um, we should not be distracted and feel like we are winning, right, by, by, by some kind of secret practice in heaven that, that is nowhere listed in the scriptures. Um, so if you think you have to travel to heaven, right, to have authority over demonic powers, then you, you really just need the Holy Spirit. Right, you, you need to get saved. You need to pray. Uh, uh, you need to, you know the authority that's given in Scripture is the authority of the Holy Spirit's power in your life as a new a born again uh, believer that is in Christ. Um, it is not found in, in again a secret Gnostic teaching that is outside of Scripture. Uh, the next thing that he mentions, uh, let's let's hang out with the Dalai Lama thing because that's what everyone is super triggered on, myself included. Um, these people are having uniform experiences, which means it's not hallucinogenic, right? It, which means it's not, it's not their imagination. There's something actually demonic that's taking place. They're having uniform experiences, right? He is traveling to heaven and somewhere on this astral realm is, in, in, is in being literally interrupted by the Dalai Lama, who's preventing him from getting into the throne room. And what does Bob Jones say? What does he respond What's his response? What is the encouragement that he gives this person who is having a supernatural experience that is demonic? His response is, don't think. How are you to discern if the experience that you're having is in fact demonic? 
Uh, how are you to weigh what is happening in this prophetic space? How are you to judge what is being said if you can't use your brain? Like, like we're to know the scriptures, to have to be rooted in the scriptures, and to weigh things against the scriptures. But if you're not allowed to think, what's the point? He, he's having an encounter with a demonic spirit, and, and in the midst of having an encounter with this demonic spirit is being told, don't think about it. Just pray before and empty your mind, and you'll go straight there. The kind of revelation that you need to get by emptying your mind is revelation you don't want. Um, don't, don't do that. Um, this, this is a dangerous practice, and it leads to this third clip because we've normalized it. We've normalized, the again, guys, the charismatic movement is going to spill out into nothingness. We have to fight for our movement. If you love the Lord and you love his word, we have to fight for our movement. Uh, it, when people think of charismatics, they think of, they think of this. They think of individuals who, who, are, who are living in a sexually immoral, adulterous lifestyle over and over and over again, caught after scandal after scandal after scandal, making up dreams and visions, having these experiences so they can write a book in, in encouraging people to delve into new age demonic practices. We can't, we can't do this. We have to fight for our movement. Well, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we have to fight for this um, because the gifts are good. Uh, they're not dangerous. According to the Scriptures, they're to encourage, to edify, and to build up. Jesus wasn't afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. We shouldn't be either. Uh, the apostles weren't afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. We shouldn't either. But, but what, about, what about all this, this mixture and all this teaching? Well, I'm, I'm fighting it right now. The Apostle Paul would have done the same thing. Just because there is a Spirit, we should test the spirits. Test the spirits. Um, th- this is, this is off. This is off kilter. This is not a Christian practice. This is not found in scripture. We ought not to do this. They're inducing supernatural experience. They, they are what, if, if someone in an, uh, an Eastern religion was listening to this going, man, that's astral projection as clear as day. Someone from the new age can listen to that and go, that is astral projection. I've had the exact same experience. That is not a Christian experience. That is not a Christian encounter. Now, if you're out there, you say, Hey, I wasn't pursuing anything and the Lord caught me up. I'm not saying you can't. There are people in the Bible who've been caught up to the throne room that have had experiences. I mean, dude, do I want to, do I want to see, do I want to go to heaven and, and see the lamb uh, symbolically that was slain before the foundation of time? Do, do I want to be able to gaze at the, at the, at the, 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 the rainbows of glory? Absolutely. Totally. Who, who the pure in heart will see God. Man, I want I want to see him. Uh, you know, I believe I will behold the glory of the Lord in the land of the living, living is what the psalmist said. Do I want to see it? Absolutely. But man, am I, am I going to go to it through a different means? My sheep hear my voice and they do not listen to another, right? This is another gate. This is another path. We ought not follow other paths. Um, I am so pumped. Now, this is the last one, okay? Please do not scoff. This is going to be the hardest one not to laugh at. Um, and I don't mean this in a, and I, I'm saying this because again, I want us to guard our hearts because if, if we are coming at this from a, a position of scoffing, if we come at this from a position of, um, uh, we're more important than they are, we're smarter than they are, we're, how dare they be deceived by this? How, how dare they be so, so silly to follow after the enemy's devices? The enemy will get us with pride the same, the same way they got them with deception. Do not, do not allow a, a video clip like this to taint your heart, have compassion, have your heart break and speak truth and love in, in situations like this, okay? This one goes far beyond the other two, far beyond. If, if the other two were, were a two and a three, this one's a 10. Um, this one's 
This one's intense. So this is the Jello Kingdom. And we already know that there's places in heaven that represent seasons on this earth. He took a shadow of a place in heaven and made it a whole season on this earth, like the wintertime. They have Christmas Town in heaven. Yes. There's a fun place for you. Uh, and the summertime here on the earth, that's the shadow of a wipeout surf park where you can ride 80-foot waves and you're not going to die. <laughs> uh, that's the fun part. It's funny how most of these have fun parts. And then there's a mountain of spices in heaven where fall oh. is always there. And you can go on horseback rides up into the beautiful fall area. Every level is another aroma. The mountain of spices is also mentioned in the Bible. You need to find that scripture too. And so uh, that's another thing that he took a shadow of and made fall on this earth, which we're entering into that season right now. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but yes. I've seen the one in heaven and it is amazing. And of course, there's spring. And let me tell you, spring is a shadow of the friendly forest in heaven where the trees sing, the flowers will dance with you, even the rocks cry out and worship him. And also so, the field with the the copter flowers. That's right outside the friendly forest, yes. by the way. As you're entering into the friendly forest in heaven, you come down this big hill, and there's these tall flowers. They look sort of like huge daisies. Yeah. But the face of the flower is faced upward into this to the sky, and people run down this hill into this field of flowers everywhere. They grab the stalk. Because these flowers are like six foot high. They'll grab it and it takes off into the air and takes them like a flower copter. That's what they call them. And it will carry you from there into the friendly forest. So That's so cool. Because in heaven, the cows drive the tractors. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh, Jen. They love it. <laughs> if you have any children up there like three and over or two on up, uh, they always take them to the fun farm because it's where they learn prophetic art. They learn art. They actually have art classes. And this is the wild thing about the fun farm. Yeah. It's got to be different, right? It can't be like yeah. on the earth. Who, who are the art instructors? The art instructors. I love this part. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I died a long time ago to myself. I don't have my own opinions. I can only share, share what I saw. The rabbits. That's right. Hello. The whole bunny thing and the colored egg thing and looking for them actually comes from heaven. They put all the kids in this big wagon that the cow with coveralls and a farmer's hat drives them to the art barns. It's only going to get better, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> this is either giving you a joy and celebration or ammunition. <laughs> don't waste it on us. We don't listen to the blasting stuff. And here come these... Five and six foot tall rabbits, every color of the rainbow you can imagine. They have aprons on. They have all kinds of things in the pockets that they're going to give out to all the children. They're so excited because they know they're going to learn art. But they don't know what they're going to be doing, what kind of art they're going to be doing. And before they even arrived, these rabbits were busy. Because they were going out into the fields. They're picking up these eggs. These eggs are like ostrich eggs of that size. They're all white. Every one of them's white. They're putting them in these baskets. So when the kids come, they pass them down the tables. And all the kids take a couple of these eggs out. And then they have a little mat to set them on. And the angels then begin to give them the brushes. These are brushes. They look very much like brushes on the earth. Except for one thing. 
They're not sticking them in little containers, plastic containers of paint. Because what happens is the, the paint is colored light. It's like liquid light. And they're all different colors and they appear right in front of the children in the air. And they can take and dip their little brush in it. And they begin to paint these eggs, every yeah. kind of color that is possible. And they put flowers on them, smiley faces. They probably make them into minions. You know, if they currently went there, currently, <laughs> if they currently went to heaven, they use all the new stuff that we have. Yeah. You know, 20, 30 years ago, there were no minions. No. But now there's minions. So the painting like swirls all up and down the egg, rainbows, whatever it is. Then they'll hold it in their hand and they hear this little sound. And the teacher will take the top part of the egg off and out of that egg into the into the rabbit's other paw will come either a baby chick or a baby rabbit. Yep. And those baby chicks and rabbits will be the identical color of what that rabbit painted the egg. So whatever they paint the eggs as, out will come these little chicks and, and bunnies from these. And then the kids start yelling. They are so excited. They want to finish those eggs. These mushrooms that get, sit on like seats. Yeah. They all sit on a little mushroom. They find all the children and they're all facing in one direction because they're going to see a concert of the flowers. And they'll sit there and these mushrooms, because this is a supernatural place called heaven, they begin to rise up in the air like the where the, where the uh, mushroom is rooted in the ground, begins yeah. to rise them up into the air. And uh, then the flowers come. In this huge field, they begin to grow right out of the ground with faces on them. They begin to swirl around each other. They create a beautiful tapestry of all these beautiful flowers, and the flowers begin to sing. Some of them are fun songs, and the kids learn them, and the kids sing them with them. So if you think your child is not having fun in heaven, you better think twice. It's a whole little city in heaven made out of jello, every flavor of jello. They have pools of whipped cream. They have pools of sprinkles, and you can get the jello. You eat the mailboxes. You jump in the houses. They have swimming pools made out of jello. And these kids run to get in this place. And they have a roller coaster called the Rush, which is their biggest roller coaster that goes up this long track. And then it leaps from the track yep. across the sky of heaven down to another part of the track. And then this track goes down under the crystal sea so you can breathe under the water in heaven. And that was where one of my first powerful testimonies came from, that I saw a young girl who had died recently and was living in heaven with her great-grandfather, and he was taking her someplace to have fun, and that's the first time I found out about the rush. He was taking her in to ride yep. the rush. Okay, so this the, the I would say Nid, Nidheen, um, I hope you didn't misunderstand me. I'm reading these live chats as I'm, as the videos are coming in. Uh, I hope you don't under, misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't judge. I'm not saying don't speak out. In fact, I'm doing the exact opposite. You've probably come in just now into the stream. What I'm saying is um, maintain the moral high ground. Speak truth in love, right? We're not going to have an outburst of anger. Um, we're going to have righteous anger uh, that is tempered with the spirit of self-control right? Um, we're going to hone ourselves. We're going to control our members. Uh, we're going to say, hey, uh, we love the Lord and we're going to speak truth into this situation. Um, all of you, you're, you're all saying, you're all saying what I would say, like in this live chat, like I don't have much to teach you because this is irreverent. This is, this is nonsensical. This is silly. This uh, Three of you said this sounds like Alice in Wonderland, 
because it is. Um, it, it is it is nowhere in the scriptures. Uh, she has created a um, what's the word I wrote down? Uh, a cosmology of heaven. She's she's created. So we have a a biblical a biblical lens of how heaven descends and the rivers that flow from heaven and and the dimensions of the celestial city, if you will, in the new heavens and the new earth. And none of them include. None of, because again, we don't think of this mystical place that we go away to. We're talking about a place that comes to earth, that lives here. They're two, they're one in the same after Jesus returns and he rules and reigns from this celestial kingdom. And, and you know what's not mentioned there is the gumdrop forest. It's not mentioned. Um, now, now here's the thing. Some of you may be listening and want to create room for generosity. Well, maybe she saw this and maybe this was the Lord and she's just misapplied. The thing that she's saying is this is in heaven. You can expect this in heaven. Uh, there are children who are practicing prophetic art in heaven. The scriptures say, right? The scriptures say that when we see him face to face, we will have no need of prophecy. Now that's talking about the return of Christ. But let's just think of heaven for a moment. What would be the purpose of, of being in heaven, spiritually not receiving our glorified bodies yet, but being with him and still using prophecy? There's no point. There's no reason for prophecy to be engaged in that space. Uh, it's it's it's. I'm a cessationist in heaven, right? Like like I'm a cessationist after the New Jerusalem. There's no need for that stuff. Um, the statements that she is making here are irreverent. They're ridiculous. Cows driving with overalls, children to prophetic art. But this is where we go. This is where we get. This is where we get we 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 start with we start with let's let's have a divine experience let's practice with our deep breathing let's figure this out guys yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna travel to the third heaven let's let's figure this out you've got the wells of this power in your spirit that God has put inside of your spirit it's in you right it's not the Holy Spirit that's yours this this wells of salvation it's in you and then and then we get then we get Dalai Lama spirits right where they, then we where then we start defining the practice. Right, and then after that, anything goes. Right, because if no one's going to call us on our stuff, and if it's only the people who have a following have authority, right, then they can just literally make up whatever they want. This, this is this is grieving. This is grieving the heart of God that we're just sitting here listening to this and laughing at it. And oh, look at those dumb charismatics! And ha 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 ha! It grieves the heart of God that we're not actually trying to pull our brothers and sisters out of this. You know, some of you are in here saying, yeah, man, my buddy sent me a cat curve video on Trump prophecies. Like, dude, send her that video. Send, send him that clip and see if you can still follow that person. Pull them out of darkness, guys. It's not, it's not acceptable to leave our charismatic brothers and sisters in these spaces. Cat Kerr is one of the primary voices on, on Kenneth Copeland's uh, Victory channel. You on YouTube, you look up Victory and, and, and you've got Cat Kerr giving... 200, 500,000 people watching a video of her prophesying, no, Trump's still president. Two months later, he's still president. Don't believe the media, she says. Guys, how is it that we can get to a place where we're so detached from reality, we, we, we so embrace the anti-intellectual worldview that there's gun drop kingdoms, there, there's, there's buildings made of jello and you can eat mailboxes, that cows are driving kids to prophetic art school. Like, this, this is so far beyond Christian doctrine and orthodoxy, guys. Way too far. Way too far. And, and we've, we've been allowed to get here because we haven't stood up. 
Because when, when cessationists, they want to talk about the charismatics, they all want to say, oh, you're just beating us up and you don't believe in the gifts and all this other stuff. And, and No. Like charismatics need to be leading this charge. What's happening is wrong and it's out of bounds. Um, and, and we need to approach this with truth and love. Um, okay. I'm over time. My wife's in the studio to pick me up and I said I would answer some questions. So we're going we're gonna to look at some questions in here. Let's look at some questions real quick. Um, of course, all the questions were asked at the beginning. So let me let me find it. You guys can ask questions and I'll scroll to the bottom here in a sec. My blood is pumping. I am alive for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so uh, what is the charismatic movement going? Okay, so when? Yeah, when is the charismatic movement uh, going to start crying out against these people and their churches? Now. That's what I'm doing in this video. Um, and I'm asking you guys to. I'm asking you guys to stand up and, and fight for Christian brothers and sisters who are being deceived and being and being lured away, right? Um, do that. Um, do, 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 do. Question, 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 question. Guys, I'm going to scroll down to the bottom. This, this live chat, you guys have dumped a thousand live chats in here. Okay. Uh, how do you confront your brother properly over this medium, like over a digital space? Um, well, again, first and foremost, I, I think part of this has to do, all Christians should speak truth, right? Whether you're a continuationist or, or a cessationist, you should speak truth and love, right? Whether you believe in these gifts or not. Um, so all of us have an opportunity to address this issue. Um, the reality of the situation is, is that um, a lot of Christians are not that our continuations that believe in the gifts are not going to be as receptive to correction on their gift um, from a person who doesn't believe these things are happening, right? So, so, so first and foremost, charismatics need to realize um, the cessationist community doesn't trust us because we're not speaking out against these things. First of all, right? There, there can be no unity between a a thoughtful, theological, God loving, God fearing cessationist and a continuationist until they can trust us, right? So we, we've got, we got we to gotta speak out against this, right? And secondly, um, we, we've got to have a posture of, of humility and loving our brother and sister in the same way we would talk to um, a person who I hope, I hope when you do evangelism, I hope when you do evangelism, you can, you can stand before them and say, hey, you stand condemned before God because your, your, your righteousness is not enough. And you can say that with love and a smile on your face and not angry like turn and burn you little bacon crisper, right? Like, like there, there's a way to season your speech with grace so that you can save the hearer, right? Um, there's a way to approach this. Um, the charismatic community, and I, I talked about this, there's a video that I have on Patreon, um, which is a plug, I suppose. Go check it out on Patreon, how to, how to witness um, with people who are in a, like a hyper charismatic cult-like group. Um, one of the things that they train you to do in, um, in cults is they, they get you to stop trusting your intellect and your reasoning and to rest on the reasoning of a teacher. Okay, so so there are things that you can do to begin to ask questions, to begin to, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think the scriptures say about this? Right, not, not making so much statements, but asking them, trying to get them to use their brain 
uh, trying to get them to to use rationale and reason. And once that starts kicking in, and once you start asking those right questions, and again, not confrontationally, because if you come at them uh, in a very strong confrontational way, and they're hyper anti-intellectual, what they're going to do is say, oh, you know what, that was just fleshy, you know, that's just the mind, the mind's at war with God, and like, what you're going to ask them, you're going to ask them, ask them questions, ask them questions, get them to start questioning their worldview, and then start providing answers when they don't have any. Um, you've got to be a student of your word. Um, we, we are living in a day of great craftiness. We need to know our Bible, um, and we've got to be we've got to be shrewd um, in the way that we're we're witnessing to the people here in this space. Um, uh, okay. Um, so, how do you? I think it's sort of to say confront those who believe uh, in this and say it's not New Age because New Age uh, is the uh, perversion of the real, uh, yeah, which they consider to be um, hyper charismatic. So, so here's the thing, Morgan. Um, again, I think this is my personal opinion. I think calling this new age is not helpful to winning charismatics. Now, it might be a, a fair category in talking about it because of the similarities. Um, but as as I am aware, Christians and all the ones that I've met aren't going to a bookstore and opening up a book on New Age and reading it and then beginning to practice that in their Christian worldview. Now, there are a very small, minute group of them, but most of these Christians want to appeal to Scripture and say, hey, this is half of a verse that's taken out of context. Have them show you the case and present to them what the Bible says and then ask them, are you trying to get to the Father by another way, right? Or are you trying to get to the Father the way that has been prescribed through Jesus Christ? right? His sheep hear his voice. They do not listen to another. This sounds like another, right? This is not in the scriptures. So you ask them to show it to you in the scriptures. When they can't do that, you say, this is another. We're not doing that. Um, that's that's what I would do. Um, do you think it'd be helpful if the charismatic movement in the U.S. collapses? Um, so here's, here's the thing. Um, Sims, Sims, Jones. Um, the charismatic is a, the charismatic movement is a movement, so it, it can't really die. Um, it's not like there are specific churches. Like if you're at a lot of so for me, continuationism doesn't need to die until Christ returns, right? And then it's done uh, because when we see Him face to face, there is no need for prophecy, right? There's no need for tongues. Um, so we're waiting for that end, and the gifts of the Spirit have been given to the church to edify and to build up. Now, alongside these gifts, right? So does the charismatic movement need to cease? No more than every church on the planet needs to cease, right? Because every church on the planet practices teaching and there's tons of false teaching that has nothing to do with charismaticism, right? There are tons of false teachers and, teachers and false churches and false doctrines all over the place that have nothing to do with the charismatic movement, right? So uh, it's not like there needs to be some kind of reset, right? Where we shut everything down and revamp it, right? What we need is a Christian worldview to practice these things as the Bible has prescribed. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know if, if the charismatic movement can die, um, because they don't have a group of doctrines. There's not a set group. There's not selective churches that you can go around and say, that's charismatic. All these need to shut down. Um, oh, I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, Adam, you're persistent. Adam. Okay, I'm going to ask it because he asked it 30 times, even though I don't want to answer it. Will you ever interview David Hogan? If David Hogan, like David, if you're out there and you're watching this clip, bro, 
we'd have to do coffee before or like do a Zoom chat or something before. We'd have to talk about it. You'd have to know my heart that I'm going to push you really, really hard on some of these experiences um, and some of these teachings. Like I would push you hard on it. Um, because again, I think it's in a dangerous space, right? Um, I think I think so. I think our show, we want to we have conversations with people uh, that we disagree with. Um, but um, I would need time. And I say I think so because I don't know his doctrine. And one of the things that we're trying to commit to as a channel is we're trying to commit ourselves to interviewing people within orthodoxy. If you're not a Christian, if you're not in Christian orthodoxy, we don't want to interview you. There's a big tent for what is Christian, right? A really big tent. Um, and I don't mean to say that David Hogan isn't. I'm just saying I don't, I'm not aware of his doctrine. And I have to, on some level, do some kind of, even take his word on it and talk to him and say, hey, what do you believe about the scriptures? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Trinity? Um, and, and there are a bunch of weird practices that are in the midst of that. Um, I know of the weird stuff, some of it. Um, I, and I've, I, I'm inclined to think, I knew about Kat Kerr until I watched that video and I realized I was only scratching the surface of what is weird. Um, okay. Um, I am way too worked up. I've got to be done now. Uh, it's 30 minutes past the time that we're supposed to be live. So, um, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for watching up into this point. Um, I hope you're encouraged by it. I hope this is um, edifying to you. I hope um, what is, I think, what is righteous anger in me um, doesn't come off that way. Uh, it doesn't come off in like just this angry, belligerent, let's let's burn the system to the ground, let's fight, let's whatever. Um, um, but it's in love. Um, in the same way that I think of Jesus turning temples tables, it's not because not only because he was disappointed and angry with the Pharisees, but it was because they were taking advantage of his people. And there are uh, spirits, there are um, charlatans, and I'm not I'm not trying to make a claim out of any of the videos we just watched, okay? Um, but there are spirits and there are charlatans taking advantage of God's people. And as charismatics, we need to stand up and protect our own. Uh, we need to stand up and. Uh, to know God's word and to to defend uh, God's God's church um, in any uh, way, shape, or form. Um, so stand for truth, stand for truth and love. Um, I hope that we've been an example in that. Um, how to have dialogues, how to have conversations with people we disagree with, um, while still standing for truth. So um, hope this has been edifying to you guys. If you've been blessed by the ministry, um, man, help support us. There's a couple ways you can do that. PayPal link. It's a one-time gift. You can give on Patreon as low as five bucks a month. Uh, someone recently said, hey, you haven't got a Patreon video up there in a while. Michael's been on sabbatical, so I've had to do all these myself. So I've got a video um, that has been filmed uh, that I need to edit that needs to go up. Um, but uh, I'll try to get another uh, video or two out this month before the month is over uh, just so uh, that we can honor you guys and your time. So I apologize that we haven't gotten content out there, but I've done a couple of shows like this by myself and it takes a lot of prep. So um I think that's all for today. Uh, if you have any, man, I would love for you to cover this topic on the show. Jump over to Facebook. We have a Facebook post that says, hey, uh, what, po what, what subjects do you want us to cover and who do you want us to interview? Uh, leave the post there. Leave the question there on that uh, Facebook page. Uh, we're, we're doing another round of booking up our guests. We like to book up a couple months and then post those online so you can see what's coming up. Um, so hopefully we'll get NT right on the show here pretty soon. Hopefully I say, hopefully Amos Young is booked. So we'll get Amos back on the show uh, here pretty soon. Um, if you haven't watched some of the really cool shows we've come out with guys like Francis Chan, um, man, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, those came out uh, both last week, really great episodes. I'd encourage you to go watch those. Anyway, that's it for today, guys. Uh, thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Blessings.
want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio. <laughs> 